Hi, welcome to Almost Cooperstown. I'm Mark. And this is Gordon, and we love talking about baseball. So we were previously talking about the greatest stretch runs of all time in baseball history. And I, I think something that kind of has to go along with that is that there has to be almost, in a lot of cases, a greatest collapse to go along with every stretch run. Now, that's not necessarily the case, because you could have a stretch one where it's just one team playing excellent, and then the other team just playing okay. Sort of like, well, or, or playing really well, like the 1948 you know, Indians, and the Red Sox played very well that year, and, and got into a playoff, just wasn't quite good I mean, enough. Even, even the, the Yankees, when they went on their crazy run to get past the Red Sox that year, I think the Red Sox still had an above 500 right. winning percentage. It was a collapse, you know, for, it, for different reasons. It's a collapse for a different reason because of who they specifically lost to, but I think collapse has to be, it's something more than that. Like, that's a team just going into free fall with, you know, X amount of games left. And And it's interesting because you look at it and you would have thought that you had teams like the 48 Indians, the 14 Braves, that could have had an epic collapse to go along with their stretch runs, but they really didn't. We really didn't see one, I mean... The earliest, I'd really say, is 62. Right. And, and taking away, I guess, the Dodgers in 1951 losing to the Giants. Because that was in a playoff. That's a, They lost in the playoffs. But, no, the, but the Dodgers had a, a huge lead that year. They had a 10-game lead that the Giants came back on a 14-game lead. That so is, that, 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 that kind of qualifies. But the Giants' run, at as well as they played, is usually what you think about, not the Dodgers' Normally, collapse. that's the other part of that. You can have the, the great stretch run will have a team that plays bad, but the great collapse almost doesn't necessarily have a team playing really well alongside it just one team just kind of just all of a sudden spirals out of control and plays awful so you didn't come into uh the the giants and the dodgers again right we're talking about this in 1962 yep and 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 the 62 dodgers uh and this is uh really three years after or four years after the Dodgers and the Giants moved to the West Coast. Uh, and there was a lot of, you know, in 1959, the Dodgers won the World Series. Um, and and so they were both still very good teams having moved to the West Coast. And the rivalry was as hot as ever because they were the only two teams out on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Dodgers still had Koufax and they had Drysdale. Uh, but the collapse here is, uh, I actually, I wasn't really familiar with this. You weren't familiar with it? Because no. I mean... It's not, not the biggest collapse, certainly, because you know you're looking at it like, oh, I, they only lost like a four game lead with ten games to play, but that which is a lot, you know, that's a big, but that's not not a crazy one by some of the later ones that come along, certainly. But I mean, they got they 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 lost eight of their last ten. That's pretty bad. Going to their bad. last four, yeah. So they really went into the tank to end the year. And then they lost the playoff series. Another three-game playoff with the <laughs> with the Dodgers and Giants. So, I mean, at least, you know, like the only thing you could say is that when you're that team in that situation, you kind of just hope like, okay, you know what? I hope who beat us just goes and wins the World Series because it kind of just makes your loss not quite as painful. Because, you know what? We lost the guys. They were just going to win it anyway. Nobody was beating them. And the Giants did go on. And lose the World Series, right? So no, actually, a very famous end of a World Series play: the Yankees and uh, the Yankees beat the the Giants. Uh, Willie McCovey's up in the ninth inning uh, and hits a line drive that would be the the World Series winning hit. And Bobby Richardson jumps up and catches it. Game over. World Series over. See you later. 
that just that that's got to break your heart even more. You're hoping like, oh man, they could at least go all the way, take it for us, and like we lost to the winners. You didn't even lose to the winners, and that probably would have made that giant stretch run in 1962 a little bit more. One of the great stretch runs of all time had they had that been a base hit, that one in a two inches higher, uh, and the, we're talking about the Giants having one of the great stretch runs in history. And then you know, but you keep going, and it seems like collapses. I think the problem with collapses is that. It feels like something you should be able to prevent. And you have guys that their entire career as a player or manager gets swallowed up by this collapse. And that's what happened in 64 to the Phillies. Right. We talked about that, you know, in our in our greatest stretch runs, right? The 64 Cardinals had a wonderful stretch run. They played really well. But that, that Phillies choke job is probably more memorable in some respects than the, and the Cardinals did win the World Series. So you got to give them credit. But, you know, the, the Gene Mark led Phillies six and a half games with 12 to go. Yeah. So you're and you lose 10 in a row. <laughs> 10 in a row. That's just brutal. And, I mean, they had two guys. They pitched two of their top pitchers. So this is what got Mark into trouble. Yeah. Jim Bunning and Chris Short threw seven of their final ten games with six of the starts coming on two days rest. They lost every single one of those games. And, and, and of course, the that is known in, in Philadelphia as the P-H-O-L-D, the fold. Oof. <laughs> That's a, that's a rough one. So yeah, Gene Mark, who managed a long time, and, and I think we talked about him in our managers. You know, he had longevity, but he never won a World Series, and it just and, impressed and, me that he managed for twenty nine years and never but, never won anything. And, and it's the kind of thing where, like, if he was the kind of guy that would maybe get on just on like a longevity kind of thing, like the career recognizement Hall of Fame appointment, having something like the fold attached to your name is a death sentence. <laughs> so we we jump ahead to uh, and, and we talked about the uh, the, the miracle flip side mess, of this, yeah. Right, right. The, the miracle mess of 1969, but the Cubs and and uh, they were they were the established team. They were way ahead. They had a nine and a half game lead on August 14th, and then still on August 20th, entering the games on August 20th, they had a 98 percent chance to make the postseason. Yeah, I don't and know which didn't. of the games was the famed black cat game, but apparently a black cat got out at Chase Stadium when the Mets were playing the Cubs and ran in front of the Cubs dugout and then ran under the stands and the Cubs then were, you know, oh, we were spooked. We had the black cat and they ended up losing. Black and- cat didn't make them go <laughs> six and 14 over their final 20. No, and and they they dropped, the, I mean, if you remember the Mets, they won by what, uh, seven games or whatnot. Ten games. Ten games, ten games. So that's a huge or- turnaround. Um, that maybe it was only eight. Yeah, yeah. That the Mets ended up, you know, the, the Cubs changed seventeen games in the standings in the final six weeks of the seasons. That's yeah, and then and and this is so interesting that you know here are the examples where you had teams that you know you had so in '69 you have the Cubs that that you had the match the Mets and their you know great stretch run and great collapse, and then when you get the next one nine years later you have another one because you had the Yankees, Yankees and the Red Sox. So the the Cubs uh, also we talked about this with the White Sox. They're playing with the weight of history, right? Because they hadn't won a World Series since 1908. And so in 1969, the the, the collapse is, is like, oh, no, they can't do this. And, and that's, yeah. that's and then again, they did the that. first year of divisional play. So and then nine year, win- yeah, yeah, and then nine years later, the Red Sox do it. Exactly. So two teams that ha- had, had the history of not having won in so long have these epic collapses in part, and I think that's the point here, because of the weight of history. And I think it's like, you look at this, they lost 14 of 17. During the final 32 games at one point. Yeah. That's just epic collapse. Like when you're losing at that rate. and The Red Sox you're talking about. The the Red Sox I'm talking about. And I think when you get into teams doing that, I have to – ultimately in some respects it's on the manager because 
you're playing so far below your level that you're not doing something as a manager to get your guys out of whatever the funk they're in and get their head screwed on right where you're like, you don't even have to play great baseball. Just play not awful baseball. And you can't even get them to do that. And I, I'm, I, I'm going to guess that players come to the stadium when they're in a losing streak and wondering what bad thing is going to happen to us today mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, it's it's like when you've been pitching and your guys are making errors behind you you're like who's gonna make the next right, run right right who, who, every ball every fly ball every ground ball you're thinking how is he gonna boot this one but on a recurring basis i think you know and you talk about even going back to the 64 phillies again the phillies hadn't won a world series you know in in forever before 1964 so some of these collapses i think are really connected to the team history of not having one and the, and the pressure that it builds on the players that know oh god i'm i'm responsible for holding up and continue you know, perpetuating this legacy of failure and you could feel that going on around you and you know the reporters not asking you about it but you can tell that's what they really want to ask about like how does it feel that you guys have been you know stinking it up for the past two and a half weeks so uh you know the uh 1995 angels uh have, you gotta wait a while here now yeah, yeah, it's got, interesting you, that's it's true it's another 17 years to the 95 angels and the angels not unlike the other teams completely came into the league in 1961 i believe they uh, they they played in Los Angeles as the Los Angeles Angels. And so they hadn't won anything. And now they're around for 34 years. It's 1995. And by the way, in 1986, the Angels had a lead in the the, uh, championship series against the Red Sox and lost on a a famous home run by Dave Henderson. And the Red Sox went on to the 86 World Series and the Angels' hopes were dashed. Now you're ahead another nine years. You've got an 11-half game lead on August 9th. We're playing fantastic. And then the collapse. I mean, and this is a collapse because they understand they went 12 and 27 over their last 39 games, but they won the last five games of the season. So at one point they were seven and 27 going into that last five games of the season. And to win the fights, like, like, okay, we've already given it up, but we're going to hang on. And so what does they do? Seattle, you know, matches them. So they have a playoff and not a three game playoff. Who do you have to face in this play, one game playoff? Who is the pitcher you have to go up against? It would be one Randy Johnson. Oh, that was an amazing, uh, an amazing performance. I remember that. And and uh, Randy Johnson shut the Angels down nine to one and struck out twelve. Just dominated them, and that's and that's and that's what you see with these collapses, and what you're going to see, especially with these later collapses, where it's not necessarily a team, you know pushing them it's just one team going into complete free fall right and 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 what happened then 12 years later can only be described it's not necessarily a free fall it's more the plane just you know tilting its nose directly at the earth and going straight down and 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 a lot of these teams that that we're going to talk about then don't have that distinction that the ones we just talked about of having the weight of history around their shoulders some of these are just a good old-fashioned collapse yeah there's there's nothing else you can say about it like like the 2007 Mets. Ah, so the year I graduated high school was not a great year for my New York Mets because they were up seven games to play with 17 to play. So they're cruising into the postseason. And this is a team that's favored to be good. But you were there also in 2006. Yes, watching Beltran strike out. Take oh. the third strike from Adam Wainwright, who's still out there still throwing out nasty curveballs. Yeah. So this is the next year. Obviously and they're, and the Mets they're, had a good team. They're a, a team, a lot of people's, you know, one of the favorites to score the World Series out of the National League. They've got really good hitting. They've got pretty good pitching. I think Tom Glavin was still bumping around for them around now. And so there are seven games, seven needing to play. Phillies played really well, went 13 and four. But, you know, 
Mets all they have to do is, you know, win like what, like half of those games and they'll be fine. They went five and twelve. Yeah, yeah. And the Phillies probably don't get enough credit, you know, for for playing really well down the stretch. Uh, but the Mets, I mean, I just remember that. That was just that home ho- stand. It was horrible. That home they went one and six in their final seven games all at home. Yeah, they, they they won five in a row. They they uh, excuse me, they won four or five after losing five in a row, and then they lost six out of seven to end the season. And uh, you know, I know he's a Hall of Famer, but that game that Glavin pitched at he the end of the season, gives up seven uh, in a third of an at eight. the most important time. This is why you're on the team and to like, win that game. And what was painful about that game is my fans were like, okay, all we have to do is win this game, and it was over in the first inning. Yes, yes. You like you knew your playoff chances were done, but you didn't even make it to like the the end of the game. No, you're seven like, earned runs in a third of an inning that and you're just looking at this game going oh well i guess it's the off season now so that's that's as awful as it could be right if you're a met fan and you know but you know you you got some hope we have some hope for the next year david wright's an up-and-coming player at the time you're thinking okay you know we'll get him next year no that doesn't happen no this is what it's like being a met fan folks so so willie randolph managed to scrape through the 07 collapse managed to you know keep his job he was not making it through what he then put together in the 08 campaign for the New York Mets. Yeah, yeah, and and, and actually really, really got fired. There's a history of managers being fired in season. Uh, sometimes the management feels it's a way to ignite a spark under the team. Uh, and the Mets were 34 and 35, and, and he had presided over the 2007 collapse. And, and I guess they, you know, they just felt, okay, let's, you know, let's try something different. But I felt Willie was a little unfairly treated there. Right, but you could argue that it, it worked at least for the time. You know, from that point, they were 34 and 35, and then, you know, they played. And then on September 12th, they were 82 and 63. There were 19 games over 500. They played really well up until that point. And then... Yeah, and then the, the September 28th, they're 80, 89 and 73, and, and they're losing the division by three games. What the heck happened? Right. Losing again to the Phillies. Right. And, and this year, that year was in some respects more painful because you watched the collapse play out over a longer period of time. Just every single day you saw them losing ground to the Phillies. And the Phillies just playing well, and there was just nothing they could do about it. No, no, and 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 and, and it, it was not again, not again. The Met fans, we 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 were watching this going. It's happening in slow motion. We did this already. We saw this movie, and you no, know, nothing could stop it. They uh, they choked it away, and nothing happened good. You know, after that, and then it was a lot of painful years until 2015, which still ended painfully. Yes, and so you got to go just the very next year, um, and and I. I Again, I don't remember this as an epic collapse, but I imagine uh, if you're a Detroit Tiger fan, uh, you probably think 2009 was uh, really hard to take. I mean, I mean, this is one where it's it's less. I mean, it's not an, an amazingly long collapse, but just the sheer brutality of it, because they were in first place from May 10th until the final day of the season. I mean, that's you're you're in first place. You think you're going to the playoffs? This is going to work the entire year. You're thinking we're a playoff team, and then they just the. The Twins just kept chipping away at that lead, kept chipping away at that lead. And then they they go on, they beat the Tigers with four days remaining. And so now the Tigers have, they're up three games, four to play, and the Twins sweep the Royals. They win their final games. And then the Detroit manages to take one of their final three games against the White Sox, which ties them for a one-game playoffs. And the Tigers are still winning that game. They're winning all the way up until the 10th. They're winning in the 10th. And they're winning in the 10th inning. And then they lose in the 12th. 
So it was like their entire season got distilled into a final game where they were still leading at the last moment and it just wasn't enough. Yeah. Yeah, and the Tigers have, you know, it's been a long since, time since the Tigers, you know, won a World Series. you got to go back to 1984. Uh, so they've got their, you know, their legacy. If you think about it, that's, you know, coming up on, uh, what, 40 years or 36 years already. So they're carrying that around a little bit now. It's hard to believe. Mm-hmm. But then I think, so then you have, you know, two years before you get one of the wildest coincidences ever where you have not one but two collapses in the same season. Yes, and by you know, it, it's funny how the teams that have been around since the very start of of, of the you know twentieth uh, century, uh, you know, seem to have these historical. The Tigers, you know, we just talked about, they're they're our original the team. The Braves, the Red Sox, exactly. The, but it makes sense because the longer you've been around, the more chances you have to either have a stretch run or a collapse. So let's start with the Red Sox. So the Red Sox, I mean, they weren't even thinking about the wild card in this season. They're they're thinking division title. They're AL East champions, they're leading into the final month of the season. They're all the way up, and then by Labor Day weekend, they're out of first place. But it's it's okay. They're still up nine games over Boston. Over Tampa. Over Tampa. Over Tampa. I'm sorry. Yeah, over Tampa. And then they lost 20 games in the month of September, becoming the first team to ever hold a nine-game lead in September and not make the playoffs. Yeah, and 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 Boston had it. You know, they they still were fighting. Right, they had a three-two lead in the ninth inning over the Orioles, uh, and and Baltimore was down to its last strike, and then they lost four to three. Yeah, and and uh, and and they didn't get any help from the Yankees. <laughs> Who cough up a seven zero lead against the Rays? So the Rays come back and win eight seven in the extra innings to snake away the the wild card spot from that. Now the Yankee Red Sox rivalry. It can't be that there where the Yankees are going. Hey, wait a second, we're up seven nothing. No if team we has get ever up eight runs and lose these that, teams. That, the Red Sox a, that's suffer. A, that's almost a more egregious you know accusation <laughs> than the the White Sox campaign. I like that. I like that. We just want the Red Sox to suffer. So you know what? You guys can have this game. <laughs> but then you know just down down in Atlanta. There was a, the collapse of the Brave Zone that season. Yeah. And so they went into September with a seven-and-a-half game lead in the wild, the wild card. card. Right. Still the wild card, but that's a playoff spot. And, they, and it's not like they have bad pitchers on this team. They got Tim Hudson, Tommy Hansen, Yair Jurgens. They had some good pitchers. They had Brian McCann at his peak yes. offensively. So everybody and, kind of – And their bullpen was Kimbrel inventors. Yeah, so you had a – a star-studded team up and down in a lot of respects, at least for, you know, the early aughts or the early, you know, 2010s. But then they just start losing, and they start losing bad. They go 9-18 and 18 down the stretch. Meanwhile, the, the, the Cardinals the Cardinals go 18-8. and eight. Yeah, and, and, and actually, you know, maybe some credit to the Cardinals, who we didn't throw into our greatest stretch runs in history, but the 2011 Cardinals not only came back and won, obviously, they ended up going to the World Series and winning, winning the World Series. Now, what's interesting is a lot, the manager caught a lot of flack for this because he over – they accused Freddie Gonzalez, then manager of the Braves, of just completely overusing his bullpen during this stretch. But I think one of the things that's kind of not commented and one of the reasons why the Braves were such a trendy favorite to win that year was because everybody ex- was expecting Jason Hayward to kind of replicate his rookie campaign and he was never quite the same. He was a good player in a bunch of different years in the major league. He's still he's still playing for he's the still Cubs. Playing, but he was never the same kind of player he was in that rookie season. Yeah, he, he was a guy who was going to hit 40 home runs, was going to hit, hit for 300, 300, win gold gloves. Like, he looked like... A five-tool player. He looked like Mike Trout before Mike Trout. Yeah, yeah. And, and then he just never really was that type of player again. So so that, that brings me... So whose fault is it when, when you're having a collapse... 
right? Who whose fault is it? Is it the? Is, it's it's got to be the players mostly. They're just not getting it done. And is there really anything that the manager or the team can do? To, to really change that, other than firing the managers, which seems teams, teams will do sometimes. Well, I think it really depends on why you're collapsing. Because there's some things where I, I think certain collapses are a much harder thing to get out of. If your team just isn't hitting, it's tough to just make them start hitting. Like, this is not that easy to do. If they're struggling, they're just struggling. And you're going to have periods of the time when your team struggles at the plate but there there has to be something you can do as a manager to get their mentality because my guess is that in that collapse the difference between a collapse and a team kind of still squeaking into the playoffs is probably like three or four games and that's such a bad play that's true and you as the manager what you have to do is identify those three to four games that you would lose Otherwise, that you can find a way to win by making your t- sure your team is in the right headspace. But you, you, you know that you know, we were talking about this. That there's a there's a portent there, right? Things are going badly, and instead of thinking we're going to find a way to score runs, because we always score runs, or our pitchers are going to come to the ballpark and give us a chance to win every day. If you're on the other side of that, you're coming to the ballpark going, okay, you know, we can pull out of this. You're almost dealing from a negative uh, per- perception of you know who's going to blow it today. I, I don't want it to be me. Exactly. You know. You know and, and and if you're the 2008 Mets and you saw what happened in 2007, as you start sliding in September and it's the Phillies, you're thinking, oh no, God, no, not again. Not this again. couldn't happen again. And so you just, it's gonna you're gonna get in, you're gonna become your own worst enemy, and you're gonna start beating yourself. So you know, and, and a lot of times at the end of seasons, you know, there are rivalry games uh, as we've talked about that are set up, and you have that opportunity for your rival, as we talked about with the Yankees, you know, and to sneak the, in there, and you know, usually by beating them in the Yankees' case, is because they end. Ended up losing uh, a game, but you know, to to destroy your rival's opportunity to go on, uh, there's that's not quite as sweet as winning, and but it's pretty you sweet. Also, and teams know when you're playing like that, so they're going to be looking at you. They're going to come in knowing we can get these guys aren't playing well at all. Yeah, I yeah, mean, we can ruin their season. I, I, I mean, it's the same way when you have teams coming to play the Jets. They're going, the Jets can't beat us. Well, it is. It is funny you say that because I was thinking about it. It is an NFL thing as you get down to game sixteen in the NFL. Like, okay, you have you know uh, the last game of the season and if they lose to their rival the rival's long out of it and all of a sudden you know the, the bills and the jets that happened a few times where the last game of the season knocked them out of the playoffs and how how much that hurts and you because they'll come in and they say hey we can win this game right and, and baseball's the same way exactly you 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 can you see that we, we could beat them. the marlins when they got seven runs off tom glavin they weren't making the playoffs that year but they certainly could ruin the mets chances too so i i don't really see any epic collapses happening in the last 10 games of this particular Particular, uh, truncated season. No, I think it's pretty hard because of just the sheer number of teams making the playoffs that I think it would be really hard for any one team to play themselves out of the playoffs. Yeah, well, and there's there's teams that have clinched already and there have been some surprises. But yeah, it's it's a, it's a mishmash and, and you won't have one of those epic seasons in this season simply because it's only a 60-game season. So we'll have to wait for next year to see if there is going to be uh, an epic collapse. Yeah, or, or another great stretch run. <laughs> another great stretch run. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. And you can follow us on Twitter at AlmostCoop.